Hi, I'm Claudio Poses, artist for Dungeons and Dragons and The Witcher RPG, and you're listening to Moro's Unofficial Tabletop RPG Talk. This week, Morris and Peter are joined by Josh Gentry to talk about the Level Up Advanced 5th Edition actual play podcast, Mysteries of the Mornland. In the news, Avatar The Last Airbender RPG breaks all of the tabletop RPG crowdfunding records, D&D Beyond in support for the Unearthed Arcana playtest material, a Critical Role Deluxe Box Set Edition is coming from Beetle and Grimm, and more, plus our favorite game in all the world, and a brand new sketch about two evil overlord rivals, meaning again in a dramatic fashion in an unexpected place. This week on Morse's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. Today's podcast is sponsored by Al and Dean's Artifact Shop. Al and Dean's stocks a wide range of the finest artifacts from enchanted swords to magic lamps. This week only, they have a two-for-one offer on Excaliburs, Molineers and Grails. Get on down to Alan Dean's for excellent deals on Elven Stars, Stormbreakers and Arkinstones. <sighs> I bought a Palantir from them last month. It turns out that you also have to fork out for a 12-month subscription, or they're just useless glass balls. Alan Dean. Alan Dean. That sounds oddly familiar. All the tabletop role-playing news. We aim to amuse and we aim to enthuse. And Morris is unofficial tabletop RPG. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG talk. I am Russ, aka Morris, or Morris, aka Russ, and with me this week is... Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild Role Players. Russ, as ever, it is a complete delight to be here. We're not alone today, Peter. Hi, everyone, I'm Josh. Woo! Yes, uh, Josh Gentry, the uh, writer for In Five Eyes, or Insider Magazine, as we like to call it. Also a co-author on the... A level up advanced fifth edition and most relevantly the driving force the spiritual mind the genius behind mysteries of the mornlands a podcast an actual play which i actually listen to there you go that's a big seal of approval from me how many yeah. podcasts do you listen to peter in total counting this one counting this one 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 <laughs> <laughs> God, what a compliment. Yeah, this guy's also our, my first uh, Patreon patron, so thank you, Peter. Like, this Woo. this is an enormous vote of confidence. Thank you. First! Isn't that, isn't that, he doesn't, he doesn't give me any money. Ah. I'm, I'm on your podcast, what would you want? Called out. <laughs> okay, shall we do some yeah. RPG news? Yeah. Yes, please. please. Right, so... Uh, the biggest piece of RPG news this week is the um, uh, how do you say Avatar 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 Oh, it's one of those things that you have no idea. It's, about it's a because... cartoon. Yes, no. So Avatar Legends, the role playing game, it is oh an animated series, sir. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. That is Avatar: The Last Airbender, not to be confused with the James Cameron picture for the two people who do not know about this. Yes, <laughs> yeah. So the, I hear uh, it's doing well. This, this Kickstarter is yes. now officially, it's yes. only three days in, yes. it is now officially the most successful tabletop role-playing game Kickstarter ever. No surprise. No surprise. Whoa. I mean, is last it? time I looked at it, it was approaching $3 million. 
<laughs> after three days. I was expecting the word two to appear in there. Um, <laughs> I but apparently, but, but not, not in that place. <laughs> it, did, it did the first million in just a couple of hours. Wow. It was incredible. Yeah. Uh, oh. Two million the next day. It's about to hit three million. I mean, it might oh even be God. at three million by the time this podcast ends. I, I, I'm not entirely surprised because, Russ, like, seriously, it's a really, really good series. And mm. have you seen how many people have been doing fan content for uh, Avatar for, like, years? Like, mm. I, for one, have made fourth edition content for Avatar, for both Avatars back in the day, right? Nice, so, nice, nice. So, so now, considering that the last yes. Air, Avatar, the last Airbender, is the superior of the two Avatars, uh, I'm yeah. co- so com- so completely not surprised. It's sort yes. of the voice of a generation in a lot of ways. So it, I can't. I'm just really excited to see how far this goes. It's going to be oh, three million after three days. Three, Obviously, three, we're going to get the, three million after three days. Obviously, what? it's now going to it's now going to drop off a cliff edge yeah, like yeah. every Kickstarter does, and yeah. it will have that big, big, long, slow period in the middle. And is then he'll probably do another million or so towards the end, maybe. Oh, so maybe he's going to do like four or five million. I don't know. Is there That's... any word on what the mechanics of the system is like? Yeah, uh, so it's powered by the apocalypse. Oh, yeah. yeah. We Jinx. Yes. You can't speak to someone's own name. Ha! <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, I'm Morris. I can't believe uh, you jinx you on your own podcast. That would be mean. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going to say anything else for the rest of the show now. <laughs> oh, well, yeah. At least the value of humor will increase. Just going to have, just going to have a nap. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's powered by the apocalypse. There are four stats creativity, yes. focus, harmony, and passion. Mm. Yes. Uh, <laughs> the playbooks included yes. are the bold, the guardian, the hammer, the icon, the idealist, the pillar. The Prodigy, the Rogue, and the Successor, and there will undoubtedly be more announced as the stretch goals get ploughed through. Yeah. They're knocking down stretch goals like, you know, bolding pins. They will, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Wow. Yeah, uh, you can pick up the core rules. I mean, no pressure, Um, lads. Do you know what I mean? You can get the core rules for just $20. Yes. Get the core rules in PDF, and that includes, if you do that, you get all digital content as well. That's unlocked. Nice. So that's a, that. That's going to be a really good deal. Yeah. And then physical stuff. You're looking at like fifty dollars for the basic, for the lowest yeah. physical too. Yeah, but you're going to get a lot of stuff. Mm. Yeah, like a lot of stuff. Wow. Yeah, yeah. That's Goodness. a lot of content. It is. Yeah. It is. I, 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 I don't know anything about Avatar, but I am excited to see how far this goes. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that's. It's going to be big, man. <laughs> yes. As, as I said earlier, my, my, my understanding of it is that it is a cartoon, and that is as far as my understanding of Avatar, the last half ever goes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but arguably you could say it's like maybe three times as popular as Lord of the Rings. Maybe. I don't know. Not in this so. household. Absolutely. But, yeah, I'm just saying. <laughs> I mean, it might be. If I ever saw it, it might be. It's just that I've never seen it. That's all. Uh, well, I, I mean... Far away for me to tell you to make recommendations to you. As you know, I don't watch cartoons. I'm that's incapable true. of watching cartoons. That's the problem. I understand. Yes. Well, that's fascinating. I didn't yes. know that. I can't. I. It's, it's a weird thing, and it's something in my head, but I can't immerse myself in a cartoon. Like if it's live yeah. action, like I, 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 I can sort of immerse myself into it and mm. believe it's happening. I can suspend my disbelief. But if it's a cartoon, and and the more um, stylized the art, the more so. Yeah, I can't uh-huh. do so. I can't forget that I'm watching a, a cartoon, and uh-huh. that's fascinating. Out of it, uh, I, I was just going to go on a little bit about how Russ didn't realise that cartoons were actually had a visual component because he literally couldn't see them, 
and thought they were great radio players, but alas, <laughs> it is not to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, I can't, I can't listen to radio plays. <laughs> or podcasts, Ooh. as we like to call them. Well, there's one I can think of that you might very much enjoy. Anyway, that's Avatar. That is Avatar. Yes. Doing incredibly well. Working through like the millions at the moment. I, yes. I, I'm going to predict like five million. As a, oh, as a yeah. I think that's a safe bet. Yeah, which I mean, is amazing. It is already the most the most popular tabletop RPG Kickstarter before this mm. was Matt Colville's Strongholds and Streaming, which was like two point mm. three million, something like that. Yeah, I yeah, two point one, two point three. I mean, a very impressive sum of money. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's yeah. not. This this is way to detract from the achievement that that was because that was a yeah. really yeah. big sum of money. And then now it was followed up, I think, by Free Leagues, um, the One Ring Second Edition. I think. Mm. So okay. this is just kind of, you know, displaced both of those and shot straight into the first place. Yeah. I'm surprised not to have heard Humblewood on either of those lists. I, was I mean, it's on the list. It's on the list. Oh, yeah. It's just okay. like number eight or nine or something. But it's on the list. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Let, oh. me, let, me, let, me, let me call up the list for you. Yeah. So <laughs> Humblewood's, yeah, down there at the bottom of that list. So it's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, number 12 on the list. Yeah. Just Stip. scraped a million, yeah. uh, million thousand. So that's pretty good. I'm wow. very glad to see Coyote and Crow on here. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah that did just over a million, one, one million and seventy-three thousand. Okay, just over so- seventy-three thousand. That is yeah, a lot. Yeah. That's a lot over a million. Oh yes, yeah, yeah. yeah seventy-three thousand <laughs> is a lot of money. Oh, indeed. Yeah, it's um, been pretty impressive. It's astonishing. And I can't wait to see how well it does. But I have mm-hmm. to wait a month to find out. Yes. It yes. will finish in September, so we'll find out then. But yeah, I'm predicting five five billion. So there's going to be a big, big gap between this one and the second place as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. Well, yeah. Um, oh, good, to see more. good for them. Excellent. Yeah. Kick ass. Right. Right. Okay. So, so mm-hmm. let's move on. Let's move on with the news. <laughs> let us talk about, since we're talking big money, let's talk about Beadle and Grimm. Oh, yeah. So. Critical role. Yes. So, you know their Darrington Press publishing arm? Yes, yes. The one that's done board games and is doing their own role-playing game sort of thing, yeah. A, a setting for 5e. So, they yes. uh, they announced recently the Taldre campaign setting Reborn. Yes, yes, yeah. Um, um, but Beadle and Grimm, mm-hmm. you know, they do those box sets of yes. D&D Adventures, which are like two, three, four hundred dollars and they've got like clock three- maps and yeah. yeah. Real uh, premium products, and, yeah. Yeah, and mm. pins and coins and handouts and all sorts of stuff in there. Yes. Yeah. So, mm. Bidling Grimm are doing a deluxe edition of the Taldore campaign setting. Ooh, nice. Yeah. So, there's three different ones at different mm. levels, and each one's increasingly deluxe with more stuff mm. in it. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. So they first just do the one level, don't they? Uh, no, no, they usually do two or three levels. Oh, maybe which case I'm just wrong. Anyway, uh, yeah. <laughs> so the first one is uh, $249. Yes. The second one is $299. And then for $349, you can get their top level tier, which is the big box set. Gorgeous. All singing. Best all dancing. Everything, with everything in it. Yeah. Bells, whistles galore. That, yeah, that sounds yeah. pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I don't think you actually get bells and whistles, to be fair. Well, I mean, if I was going to charge $350 for something... You would I'd insist on bells and whistles. <laughs> at least one small bell and one small whistle. Possibly yeah. plural, just to be sure. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, for one, would be satisfied with little shinies or maybe some clickety-clack math rocks. Do you think they have custom math rocks for Taldori? <laughs> oh, I yes. Reckon, I reckon so. It seems, I mean, seems likely, doesn't it? Yeah. 
I don't know. It's probably if you like roll a twenty, you see a picture of Matt Mercer or something. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> no, no. no. What, it, what it is is if you if you get the top level one, Matt Mercer yeah. will come along and roll your dice for you. Oh, nice! Oh, damn! <laughs> <laughs> That's good worth deal. money. <laughs> yeah. Now we're talking. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what his luck is with dice, whether he's... You know, oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. That might might not be a good thing. Who knows? Hey, so do, do you remember that a few weeks ago we mentioned that Flying Buffalo Games, which is the oldest mm. current yes. tabletop RPG company, mm. unless you count TSRs 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, or whatever other TSRs there are. Which, for the avoidance of any doubt whatsoever, we absolutely do not. <laughs> <laughs> So they are they were they were the second tabletop role playing game company after TSR back in yes. the seventies and they're still mm-hmm. around. Yes. Um and we announced well we didn't announce it, but we we uh, we commented reported. on the fact that yes. we bought, reported on the fact yes. that they were um being sold. Yes, yes. To a, a mysterious buyer. And we didn't imagine mysterious yes. buyer was. Yes. And we now know who this mysterious buyer is. <gasps> Tell me more. <gasps> So this is a company called Webbed Sphere Incorporated. Webbed Sphere. Okay. Yes. It appears to be some kind of um, um, umbrella company for a bunch of other companies because they have um, some game retailers um, and and like some home decor brands. And it's so I'm not 100% sure what they are exactly. Well, I mean, obviously this is the natural home for a role-playing game company. And <laughs> webbed sphere literally describes an umbrella, so oh, I mean, like yes, if you take it out, yeah. Yeah. did not think of that. Wow. Yeah. Okay, I did not possibly think of that. They, well, possibly they have a sense of humor. Interesting. Web to web and a lot of money. Yeah, a hemisphere, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Or um, a stick. Yeah, I mean that's <laughs> about, that's basically all we know. They don't yes. really have that much of a sort of online, okay. you know, footprint or anything. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll just find out more as, as, as the weeks go by and we find out what Ooh. happens. Like Flying Buffalo is going to be at GenCon this September. Yes, yes. So maybe people can ask them there. And there's apparently more announcements coming in the future. Hello, your editor, Daryl here. I wanted to elaborate just a little bit on how little of an online presence this company has. I went searching and the only references I could find to the company online were Articles about the Flying Buffalo sale, including the original press release on the Flying Buffalo website, a better bureau listing, a stub-sized business profile on Forbes, and the location of their corporate headquarters on Google Maps. That's it. No website, no social media, no previous articles about the company, nothing. They really are an online ghost. Yes. That's basically all we know. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Perfect. That's not creepy at all. I'm hoping mm. for the best. Yeah. yeah fingers crossed. What was that video game with a company called The Umbrella Company? Nothing went wrong in that, did it? No. Resident no, Evil. Nothing went wrong no. at all. No. no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm uh, sure it's all fine. I'm sure it's all fine. Uh, the, the Parasol Corporation is a perfectly legitimate business enterprise. Thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so... D and D Beyond, couple of couple of bits of news from D and D Beyond. Oh, yes. Yeah, tell me more. So the first bit of news is that they have announced that they will no longer be supporting Unearthed Arcana or Arcana as yeah. part of their site mm-hmm. or their app. Okay. Um, 
yeah, so basically they they they, they sort of said that um, it was hard to keep up with and do justice oh. to, oh, and oh. so they're they're just going to sort of focus on the actual officially released content yes. rather than another game. Um, so yeah. you can still enter it yourself as homebrew, yeah, but I presume you can't share it then because that would be a, a copyright violation. You can share between players in your game but yeah, I don't think it's as wide a community yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you can't distribute it so that's that's sort of happening on August the 12th when is that? that's next week isn't it mm. yeah mm-hmm. yes. so that's very soon yes um, so any current material from Unearthed Arcana will be archived yes and what that means now is that's existing interesting so existing characters yeah. will still be able to access it but yeah. any oh, new okay. characters will not be able to use that material okay ah. and if you remove that content from a character yes you can't it put it be. back Right. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So it's kind of grandfathered in, but you take it if you, you know, if you right. unequip a, an Arthakana item, it's not coming back again. Oh, right. That's a bit thing, but fair enough. Yeah. So yeah. there's another bit of news from D&D Beyond is that they had an art contest recently. Oh, really? Which yeah, they have cancelled after a bit of a backlash. Oh, okay. Tell us more. Yeah. So this contest was for arts. Arts, arts, artists, not arts, artists, <laughs> great. Um, <laughs> portrait frames. Yes. Which can be used on their, um, on their, on their platform. Okay. Um, so these, these portrait frames, you, mm. you'd enter and then like, uh, like a couple of people would get win the big prize, which is a bundle of digital content. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the terms for entering the content meant that all the artwork that was submitted then beyond to D&D beyond, whether or not the contestant mm. won. Yeah. Which isn't, to be fair, massively unusual. That's kind of boilerplate because people, because companies do use that to protect themselves from lawsuits in the future. But yeah. it is, is becoming increasingly frowned upon. Yes. As a, it, as a, as a way it, of, it, it seems a shady practice, even though there are perfectly legitimate reasons to do so. Yeah. It doesn't feel uh, right. So someone did, someone on my site, um, did yeah. a sort of dive into, and, uh, he's, he's a lawyer and he did a dive into this contract, into the terms and conditions. And it turns oh. out that they have used a stock boilerplate contract, yeah. which is automatically generated by an, by an AI, I don't think it's actually an AI, but by a, yeah. by a, a platform in Australia, an Australian company that mm-hmm. generates kind of like, stock boilerplate yeah, yeah. competitions for you. What? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if you actually read through some of the terms and conditions, it refers yeah. to things like sweepstakes and stuff, which don't even apply to this. Yeah. Exactly. So they, you know, I don't, I don't think they particularly paid an awful lot of attention to the terms and conditions. They said we needed something for terms and conditions. A, one quick Google search later. Ah, that'll do. Slap it in. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are are legal terms for Australian companies even compatible for a for a company based out of Washington? Well, like, obviously, I, yeah, obviously that's going to be another issue, isn't it? I mean, who knows? Yeah. I, mean, I mean, our Australian company is obviously capable of writing things for other countries, so maybe yeah. they have a setting that say, "What? Where are you based?" and then yeah. uses mm-hmm. that. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. And but you know, there's probably got to be a, a considerable amount of overlap because I know that American law is generally based on English common law. I would assume that's the case oh, yeah. also for yeah. Australia. It's, it's all so. going to be similar, but the details will yeah. always differ. Mm-hmm. The details like, for example, are very especially when it comes to competitions, because gambling mm-hmm. is not yes. as as uh, widely allowed in um, in the US as mm-hmm. it is anywhere else, is it? So, <laughs> there yeah. are opinions. Yeah. <laughs> yes, indeed. 
So, you know, that's that's one big example of where the terms would differ. Mm, mm, that's a good mm. point. It's Which a lot is... harder to have a sweepstakes or a lottery in, in the US as it is everywhere else. Oh, okay. Yeah. Going back to the the copyright thing, Ian World or Ian Publishing has this uh in the in the freelancer contract has a really generous and I think straightforward license that like isn't it uh one year exclusive but then after non exclusive but uh lifetime? Uh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the the owner for both art and for um, written material gets gets what, it back to do anything they yeah. like with. Yeah. Wouldn't that be a lot more sensible than saying, "Hey, if you send anything to us, we own it forever, even if we tell you that it's crap." Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, I do it's understand right. why why companies do this because you know yeah. if they happen to create something similar in the future and then some yeah. competition winner comes along and says and it does really well yes mm. i mean i mean with a portrait uh, a portrait, portrait frame, frame it's, it's yeah. kind of hard to imagine that but say it was i yeah. don't know say it was uh, uh, I don't say know, it had an a outline for a novel an outline yeah. for a novel and then mm. so, and then this company sort of commissioned a novel mm. never even looked at your outline ever yeah they commissioned a novel. It turned out to be substantially similar, which yeah. can happen. Oh, very and then the, And then the yeah. person who sent in the outline said, well, I sent you an outline for a novel 10 years ago. It's clearly very similar. You've clearly copied it. You owe yeah. me a great big chunk of money. Yeah. So that's why that they is. do it. Mm-hmm. So it is understandable. But these days, yeah. I think companies should be thinking about other ways to approach these mm-hmm. sort of situations. Mm-hmm. Yes. Or, yeah. or if, if they can't get around it, just not, not do it. Yeah. All. Yeah, and mm. it was confusing for me because uh, what you said sounded like the it would be the exact opposite case. It sounds like this kind of uh, situation would actually jeopardize the applicant instead of protecting them. If I understood what you were saying correctly, Morris, how do you mean? Well, it would seem to me mm. that if you apply, so let's imagine this is for book outlines or article outlines yeah. instead of mm-hmm. frames. Yeah. So I send in my outline for. Uh, for the adventures of Milo in the underworld. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I don't hear crap back from the company I sent it to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, uh, dope. It's been 10 years now. I have more world life experience, uh, mm-hmm. uh, more sadness, more happiness. I can now <laughs> write the adventures of Milo in Wonderland with less problematic characters and more mm-hmm. joy and yes. strong emotions. Yes. Well, if that other company owns my yes. outline mm-hmm. yes. and then I try to produce it myself, aren't I putting myself back in jeopardy? Yes. Yeah. 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 You, you oh, are. so I understood yeah, it correctly yeah, in the give, first you, place. You've yes. given it to them. Yeah. 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 Uh, so, the rights to it as well. Yeah. Yeah. So, mm. uh, so is this, I was understanding, did I perhaps misunderstand you, Morris, that, that there's a benefit for the applicant to do it the way that Wizards had done? Uh, no. Well, you might win the prize, I guess, is the is, uh, is, is the benefit. That's the only benefit. Yeah. Right, yeah. yeah. You, you can enter the competition is the benefit. Yeah. Well, I had... the benefits. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had misunderstood my misunderstanding. I'm yeah. glad we're on the, on the same page I mean, here. D&D Beyond yeah. did go on to tweet that they have no intention of using your entry if you don't win. So it's not a case that they're going to take it and use it and not pay yeah. you or credit you. They yeah. say they have no intention of doing that. Yeah. So, uh, well, Wizards of the Coast is based in the C- greater Seattle area, which is also mm, 
Well, this is D and D Beyond, Beyond. Beyond. different companies. Mm. I don't know where they're oh. based. No. Oh, interesting. Mm-mm. Yeah, they are separate companies. Interesting. I mm. hadn't realized that. Where oh, is? Yeah. Where is? We don't, we don't Beyond. But D and D Beyond's owned by yeah. um, Fandom. Mm. Which... Oh, the Wiki people, isn't that? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So it was formerly operated by Curse LLC, yes. which is a Twitch company. Owned by Twitch. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. In 2018, Fandom acquired Curse, including D&D um, Beyond. So okay. Fandom, of course, started off being um, a wiki site, mm. but has grown to be so much more than that. And it owns mm. the Cortex rule system and has licensed mm-hmm. a lot of game systems to be powered mm. by that. Yeah. Wow. In last In the last sort of year or two. Yeah, yeah. So they're doing a lot. Of, they're doing a lot of expansion. But yeah, they started yeah. off as a, a sort of a, a media wiki site. I yeah. think it was. Yeah. Um, mm. I think they were called something. They were called Wikia, weren't they? Wikia. They yes, that's yeah. one. Yeah, I've and then they. Uh, mm. I, I, yeah, Wikia. Mm. I've been there. Yeah, <laughs> haven't we all? Anyway, yeah. So, um, dragging it, kicking the screen back to the original topic. Mm. Uh, this is an Australian contract. That D and D Beyond have used. Well, it's a contract drafted yeah. by an Australian company. Yes. Generic contract drafter. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah I'm skeptical that they would have a contextualized lawyer for every single country, much less every and single state, state yeah. and province of every country. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, the suggestion is probably they didn't, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't seems, know. I don't seems know. Seems likely that they would not. Yeah. I don't know. The fact that they're referring to sweepstakes in the actual terms and conditions kind of says it wasn't that well tailored. Yeah. Because no. it's clearly it's not a sweepstake, is it? It's not. Uh, doesn't no, even it's not. So, you know, I don't know. I don't know. Moving on. Yeah, it's moving I mean, on. Yeah. I mean, were, were there any re- repercussions or was that just an observation? Uh, well, they cancelled the... Uh, the cancelled oh, the, they com- cancelled the competition. competition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I, okay. The whole backlash yeah. thing, they cancelled the competition. Yes. Fair enough. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Right then. Let's find some yes. more news. Oh, um, you recall last week we were talking about uh, Games Workshop giving each of their employees 5,000 of our English pounds. Yeah. British pounds. Yes, yes, I recall this. Wow, yes. what brought on that? Well, it may possibly be related not entirely to the um, huge controversy that has been generated because uh, Games recently- Games Workshop having controversy? Please continue. I, I was shocked as well. <laughs> uh, apparently they had- a big competition, <laughs> big art competition to, uh, and they like were recruiting lots of people who'd done lots of really good freelance stuff or like not, uh, like basically using Games Workshop's intellectual property, uh, but creating beautiful beauty and art and so forth on mm-hmm. a fan basis. And these people have been like, ah, oh, lovely. You'll, you'll now come and join us. And like, yay, we get to work for Games Workshop, which is like, you know, the things that they, they now have, they get paid to do the thing that they were doing for love. Which right. is a pretty sweet deal. So that that bit was good. It was then like a couple of weeks later when Games Workshop said, "Okay, cease and desists for everybody," um, and all no. the other artists, yeah, have been shut down. That's confusing. Um, yeah, yes, yeah, yes. Yeah. So it's like um, this is. I, I don't really understand the thinking. I'm just this is this is what I am told. So there we go. Hmm. Why? Why? Uh, why? It feels very much like you're saying, ah, my geese, my goose lays golden eggs. Sorry, <coughs> sorry let me, let me, you're yes. saying they 
commissioned they, they hired, whole, they, they hired, they hired a bunch of artists yeah. who were doing work for free, yeah. like fan art, and they all they get they get all the best ones of those. And then about two or three weeks later, they send send out cease and desist orders and shut down everyone else. Huh? I know, wild. There must be more nuance to it than that because that's just evil villain territory. Uh, uh, there must like, be more. There must be more to it than that. I know this is, this is I don't I don't know lots about it, but this is what several people are telling me is going on, and like they're just really annoyed about it. So yeah. Hello, your editor Daryl here to clarify just a bit. Games Workshop has a fan content policy, which they call their intellectual property guidelines. This gives fans permissions to create their own original content around Warhammer and Warhammer 40k without the threat of legal action. It also bans things like selling your fan works or specific type of works like video games or 3D printing plans that would directly compete with Games Workshop's products. Previously, fan-made videos and animations were allowed under these guidelines, but about two weeks ago, the guidelines were updated to also ban animations. This is after Games Workshop hired several fan content creators for Warhammer and 40k to create animated videos and shows for them. Specifically for their new subscription video service, Warhammer Plus. So it seems as though this move is the same as the other prohibitions under the IP guidelines. It prevents people from competing directly with Games Workshop using their own IP in areas that they are actively monetizing. Regardless of their reasons behind it, it has prompted a strong backlash both in the Warhammer community and among other online content creators. But Peter, this was the impetus for giving everyone five thousand um, pounds. I'm not saying it was the impetus for giving. I mean, these these are two things that happened. But giving everyone who works for you, which include like part time getting workshop store employees, a really large sum of money. Oh, as I as I give it to understand, it's something to do with some kind of share. Uh, share yeah, yeah. Um, There's profit sharing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. but I like, mean, I'm not saying that the two things are connected. But it's like, on the other hand, it's like. I don't know. It's like, what well, the right hand know what the left hand's doing? Who knows? But this is something I noted. I did think it was like really unusual because I was talking to people about it because like, oh, it's really generous to Games Workshop. And then they have all rebelled <laughs> to me and said, I mean, ah, Games Workshop. They've been doing it's a this. Big, that, it's a big company. It's quite possible yes. for nah. them to do two different things entirely unconnected. I mean, Absolutely. I'm trying to imagine Hasbro doing uh, profit sharing. Like. <laughs> <laughs> Feeling your face. Oh yeah, yeah. As we're doing profit sharing, absolutely. That mm. that's the thing that was going to happen. Never. Anyway. <laughs> oh dear me. Sorry. Oh, I mean, Hasbro is structured very differently to games. It is. Though. It's not. It's Probably, a lot. Yes. It's a much bigger company. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, right. Yeah. I think we may have come already to the end of the news. That was quick. But what? there was well, there was a there was a few really really big pieces this week, but not Ooh. a lot of other news. Okay. Oh, oh, Star Trek Adventures stuff. Ooh. From oh, from Odyssey. Nice. Yes. yes. Oh, I am looking at a tricorder. Yeah. An actual I mean, tricorder this... box thing. Is this, this is, is amazing? This, <laughs> is this something to do with the game? Or yeah. Do you just... Okay. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is a. A, a boxed set, mm. <gasps> um, which is shaped like a tricorder with a strap. 
Do you know how there's... You, and you can open the top up. I ain't going to show you... Oh, this is so cool. I, I, I temporarily became too excited for work. A link to this. Look at this. Uh, it's a little satchel oh. shaped like a tricorder with, and then all, all the stuff goes. And that's the box with a box set, and all the stuff goes inside it. Oh, that's beautiful! How cool is that? The first wearable role-playing game. <laughs> Get in. Yeah. Ah, uh, it's like yeah. I got. I mean, hats off to. Oh, and they got like little. Oh, they've got such cute little dice. They've got, like, little Star Trek communicator badge symbol yeah. has... I think that's probably going to be the 20. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's the and one. But still, oh. Yeah, oh, so really good. Just, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> what you really get... perfectly <laughs> blending the retro and the modern just yes. really, really perfectly. It makes me want to get my Ahura on they as have, communications officer. They, have, they have just sold Star Trek Adventures to me. Ah. <laughs> with, that, with that release, they have, they've done it. They've sold it. I'm getting it's, that. I can't. I can't not have that uh, in my life. It must. It must be. Cool. It's gorgeous, isn't it? So yeah. So what do you get? Let's have a look. What do you get? So it's called the Tricorder mm-hmm. Collector's yeah. Edition box set. Yeah. So you get the Game Master and Players Guides. You get mm. the Shackleton 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 Campaign Guide. <laughs> yeah. And three dice sets and a bunch of counters. Mm, it looks like yes. tokens. Yes, yes. Yes. And some card handouts. Oh, Captain James T. Kirk. Um, presumably mm-hmm. Montgomery Scott in there. I can definitely Ooh. see. Nice. That does look nice. Yes. Yeah. Ooh. Right. So I am definitely, definitely getting that without a doubt. Cannot not yes. get that. Coming. Uh, so it's this got the yeah, it's got fall. the crew of the Enterprise and the crew of the USS Lexington. Yeah. Mm. All digest-sized core rulebook. Magnetic, magnetic flap featuring paneling and texture designs based on the original tricorder <sighs> prop. There, there, there you oh, go. Yes. There you go. That's how you know you you, you hit the big time. How much have is magnetic I love flaps. magnetic flaps. I, 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 can't, no. I can't find out how much it is. Oh, uh, that's worrying me slightly. Yeah, it's, it's forthcoming. They haven't announced the price. It doesn't look like what you <laughs> <Yikes>. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, this, this will cost expensive. all of your money. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, but it's so pretty. It is very yes. pretty. It is really nice. I want it. Yes. Okay. Per- per- perfect for the nerd in your life who wants to walk around wearing a tricorder. Shows you my um, communicator, Star Trek communicator watch, didn't I? My brother yes. bought me for my birthday a few years ago. <laughs> That's yes, that cool. Was very, that, that was very sweet. Yeah. A, I mean, I'd never wear it in public. But <laughs> 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 it's quite big as well. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a small watch. <laughs> Your arm would get quite tired. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, let me just check the time. <laughs> <laughs> but it's got a little button on it. You just press it and it just it flips open like a little... <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, I do love my smartphone, but I miss flip phones. Yeah, well, nah, flip, oh. you can't, you cannot have a flip phone. I mean, you but probably can to... Yeah, they're not very good, though. Uh, I mean, it's just like the flips open, it makes a little noise it's like oh that's yeah anyway we don't um, right i think i think we might be at the end of the news now oh, i'm struggling well, to find more news to talk about i'm not sure i could take any more news of this magnitude <laughs> like uh, mm. oh diana oh. Jo- got it got some news got some news uh, uh, so yeah. diana jones awards have a new category so they now yeah. have two categories and one of them is called the uh, diana jones emerging designer program uh and mm-hmm. um, so the actual full Diana Jones Award will be announced at Gen Con, presumably as normal. 
Yes. But they've announced the winner of the 2021 Diana Jones Emerging Designer Program. And this is to um, the co-creator of the Field Guide to Memory, Gion Shim. Oh, who we have had on the podcast. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Nice one, Gion. Well done. Excellent. Yeah. Hmm. All right. And the Field Guide to Memory. Was that the one? The field guide. Field uh, the guide, field guide it? to memory was a kind hmm. of physical journaling game where you spend like four weeks or something doing this journaling storytelling. Yes. Was that the one she was doing with? No, Kevin called that was a time travel one, wasn't that it? Was that was a different one. Yeah, that was a different yeah, one. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. She does a lot of journaling games. Yeah, they are yeah. pretty interesting. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Hmm. Right then. Anyway, now yes. now we're finishing. So I promise that's now the yes. end of the news. That's it. We're done. There's no more news. It's time to play our favourite game. It's time to play the game. Our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter from just the name. Right then, shall we move on and play our favourite game in all the world? The game where I read out the name of a Kickstarter and you try and guess what it is from just the name. There you go, you've had the rules recap as well. Oh, hell yes. <laughs> that sounds fantastic. I'm about this. <laughs> oh, oh, that expression of glee was so pure. <laughs> Peter. Uh, no. Was it pure? I don't think it was. Oh, Peter, oh, would oh. you like to go first so that you yes, can yes. see how the game works? Or, or, or how one can play the game, not necessarily how the game is played. Well, you <laughs> are going to love this one, Peter. It Am is I? one of your favourite things. It's two of your favourite things, actually. One word names... Is it soap punk? <laughs> it's something punk. <laughs> yeah, You love it when people just stick punk on the end of words. Yes, yes. It's always so relevant and accurate and meaningful. I know. Yeah. And this yeah. one is called, are you ready? <sighs> Go on. Peter, what is wicker punk? <sighs> <laughs> okay then. So wicker punk is, um, I'm hoping that's W-I-C- K-E-R, mm-hmm. yes. So Wicker Punk is, I'm getting <laughs> Wicker Man vibes. I'm getting, like, you know, uh, building things out of, building computers entirely using, um, uh, what's it, uh, not holly branches, uh, willow branches, there we go. So together, as you're making your baskets, your um, team of hardened mud runners, because you can't really do shadow running on the tough streets because really just have mud and cobbles. Um, so it's like a combination of uh, medieval style Bronze Age fantasy um, with a great deal of shenanigans and heists thrown in there. And you're playing these wicker punk people who are trying to succeed in this uh, world gone mad. Hmm. So, you've got elements of it there. But what this is, is it's a fifth edition. Of course. Uh, but also it says using but not restricted to fifth edition. So I'm not quite oh, sure how fifth edition it is. But it's an yeah. RPG supplement exploring folk horror and heroic yeah. fantasy and how they collide. Yes. So right. this is from oh, Crowland. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, that's, that's, uh, that's the one movie that's not quoted as a... Um, not approaches. Yeah, so they've got they've got they've got they've got a big old list of um, influences here, but that's yeah. not in the list. So the list is uh, really Gwen in the Green Light, Dragon Slayer, and the Witch. Uh-huh. Um, games oh, like uh-huh. Maiden of Scare, Greedful, and Hellblade. Anime like Princess Mononoke, The Ancient Magus's Bride, and Fairy Gone. Huh. 
and TV shows like The Witcher, Game of Thrones, and the classic 1980s Robin of Sherwood, which I was watching just before we did this yes. podcast. It was on TV. Oh, I just turned the yes. TV on, and it was the one with the silver arrow. Anyway, I digress. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I do. I did. Uh, the thing the 80s Robin of Sherwood did do was it did do evocative magic and surrealism quite well. Yeah, and, was and, to, and to the mm. extent that they're quoting uh, Witcher, like Witcher mm. does really good at combining heroic fantasy, mm. folk, and folk horror, horror. And, yeah. es- and especially. Emphasis on the folk, right? Mm. Because you really can't separate the Witcher from its ethnic origins. Yeah, so, yeah. like, mm. so, like, like, it's it's specific. It's contextualized. So that makes a yeah. lot of sense to me. Mm. Well, this this Kickstarter is funded yes. very well funded. In fact, it's an Australian nice. Kickstarter. Um, oh. It had a one thousand Australian dollar goal, and it's just blasted past twenty thousand Australian dollars. So it's doing very, nice. very well. And it's got 12 days left to go if you want to pick that one up. Um, the cover, the cover art is kind of, I mean, I, I gotta say it's quite, I gotta, I'm gonna get this completely wrong. Um, I gotta say yes. to me, it looks a little bit sort of anime-ish, but you're gonna look at it and you're gonna go, that's not anime at all, Russ. You have no idea what anime is. Shut up. But, um, <laughs> as, someone, as someone who self-professedly has never actually watched any. Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of, well, it's kind of cartoony. Yeah, okay. Comic how, how Slightly comic booky. Okay. I, I, yeah, that means something different to me. But the question is, how much uh, will a PDF set me back? PDF will cut you It's 15 Australian dollars. Oh. And if you want a printed thing, it'll be 46 Australian dollars. Oh. That's a very specific amount. 46 Australian dollars. Yeah. Well, it's converted from the dollar redeemed. No, 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 no that's, the... that's the original oh, amount. Yeah, so, so 46 oh. Australian dollars. Yeah. Well, there you go. So, Peter, I will give you three points out of ten for that. Woo-hoo! Well done. <laughs> I'm, I'm on fire this week. <laughs> <laughs> so, Josh, you now know how the game works? I yes. do. <laughs> Are you ready? Good luck. You can do it. I, I was born ready. <laughs> yeah! Okay, let's go with... Yes. I think probably... If, like, one of the rules of the game is if you know what it is, you have to pass. Mm. Yes. You can, only, oh, you, can, oh. you can only play if you don't know what it is. Uh, that's more than fair. Yeah. So yeah. if you don't know what this is, you may know because it has been mentioned quite a bit recently. Uh, a state with a uh, vertical bar between the words A and state. Interesting. No, I don't know what Excellent. that is. Excellent. Ooh. A state. All right. Okay, so we got two major elements here. We have mass anarchy. Uh, anarcho-communism on one hand, and the Avengers on the other. This is your campaign setting. And so everyone has to figure out their very, very specific uh, backstory, which Disney has generously provided you a uh, an origin story generator. <laughs> and uh, and then you... It, so, needless to say, this is a superhero RPG, but set in and guided by anarcho-communist values. So, uh, hmm. So, uh, important thing, you're on a team, and the classes are not balanced. You can have Tony Stark beside Black Widow, beside the Hulk, and somehow, they do a very good job of making this work. Hmm. That's a very, very specific guess. Thank you. <laughs> yes. You didn't hedge your bets there, did you? You just went specific. Yeah. This is exactly what... Yeah. <laughs> this is gonna... <laughs> uh, 
No equivocation. And I respect that. So, um, Thank you. Um, yeah. So, unfortunately, it is not that. Oh, fun, uh, fun, fun though that sounds. <laughs> yes. Thank you. <laughs> Sign me up for anarcho-communist role-playing. I assist. <laughs> Um, so this is the second edition of an older game. Um, it's a dystopian Ooh. sci-fi game. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I was right about that. Um, and Let's this is continue. powered by the Forged in the Dark rules. Oh, nice. Uh, um, Blades in the Dark. Uh, that yeah. Hmm. Yeah, so you step inside a Baroque urban nightmare, the world of A-State. In the city, hmm. you'll fight off threats to your Canalside home. Canalside? Canalside. I can't even talk. Trying to make this grim and haunted place safer and better somehow. Mm. Okay. Um, so you can play things like ghost fighters or lost finders or activists or sneak thieves. Mm. And your, yeah. Um, so this is it's a very, very pretty game. I'm Ooh. actually going to, because I, I would quite like you to see the Kickstarter video of this one because it's very, very pretty. Wow! Okay. When I first saw yeah. this and I watched Kicks out a video, I was like, "Wow, that looks that looks very nice." Oh, uh, John Hobson. Yeah, John Hobson, so John Hobson. Hobson. We know John Hobson. So John yeah. Hobson. Beowulf. Yeah, Beowulf. Handiwork Games. So yeah. John Hobson used to work on Cubicle Seven's The One Ring Line. Now he runs Handiwork Games uh-huh. from from up in Scotland, and um, yeah, so he's behind he's behind A State Second Edition. Uh-huh. It does. It is pretty. It is very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. It's um, basic for the, those listening at home who don't, who may or may not have desire. I mean, it's quite quite nice to look at. I've switched the sound off so I can participate in this conversation. But what we have is a background of what looks to be like very nineteen sixties. Uh, those Eastern European communist blocks, like massive tower blocks of flats, um, and we're seeing like just like uh, above a cityscape and. The background is obscured by, like, maybe it's smoke, maybe it's fog. And we're seeing, like, there's a bonfire on top of one of the buildings. And there's um, mm. some containers that have been put on top of there. And we're slowly going across. And whilst we're going, there's um, the effect of glass that's, like, almost in front of the camera. It's, like, breaking in parts. And now it appears to be getting bullet holes in. Um, it's very evocative. Mm. Uh, and, yeah. I, I think, I think everything that John Hodgson is involved with always looks very nice. Like, mm, Cubicle, so. Cubicle Seven's The One Ring stuff looked gorgeous. Like, Beowulf looks gorgeous. Yeah. This looks gorgeous. You know, production yes. values are definitely up there. Yeah. I, I, I would say, like, um, if you, if you enjoy some, like, fairly good, uh, realistic hand drawn art, uh, with that sort of photorealism effect, then definitely go and have a look at the Kickstarter for that alone. I'd yeah. say it's worth your trip. So, Josh, yeah. I'm going to give you 40,001 points for that. Yeah, for thank that you. I, I, I feel like I was basically correct about the anarcho-capitalist themes, but like this look, this looks grittier mm. than Avengers could ever hope to be. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yes. Peter, are you ready for your second one? Yes, hit me. What okay, then. So this one is the Book of Daub or Gorb. G-A-U-B. The Book of Gorb. Gaub. Gorb. Gaub. Gorb. Gaub. Gorb. Gaub. The Book of Gorb. Gorb. Gaub. The Book of Gorb. One of those two things. Hmm. Uh, it sounds pretty interesting. Um, I would definitely want to have a look at that. Uh, but what it would actually be, um, 
Uh, I was like, oh, okay. So let's see. The book of Corb. Uh, I've got a real Old Testament sense to it. Uh, mm. you know, like that, 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 that sort of thing. Like, uh, and then you've got things like the book of Eli, which was, uh, that movie from about, oh, cracky. Longer than I care to remember ago, probably about 10, 11 years ago. Um, so I'm thinking maybe there's sort of like an apocryphal theme to it. Um, with, ooh. Let's say there's sort of like maybe a, and maybe like sort of maybe a dogs in the vineyard flavor to it, which is like just completely hand waving speculation into existence, that sort of thing. So I'm guessing like there's a strong religious themes. Um, and what is it? Do we, What's it going to be? Do we get, do we get to have biblically accurate angels? Oh, do we get, um, I, I think there are some things that are too weird for role-playing games, and ah. having having a throne turn up and look at you with all hundred eyes would be like, whoa, okay, I'm freaked Don't out. Don't be afraid. Don't <laughs> be afraid. <laughs> I'm afraid. <laughs> I said, don't be afraid. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're quite afraid. That's just sort of thing. They're smiting, if you ask me. Anyway, uh, so uh, Book of Gorb. Um, name Gorb or Gorb doesn't really mean anything to me, unfortunately. Um. And let's say it's for fifth edition where you want to have, eh, sure, why not? Um, all testamentally accurate, uh, role playing in a setting with, I don't know, really cool, weird angels. And, um, uh, quite, quite frankly, for people who think devils are just a bit overdone. Hmm. I'd buy it. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's <laughs> what it is, but yeah, I'm sort of interested now. <laughs> Would you like to know what it actually is? Only if it's cooler. Yeah. <laughs> Only if it's better than that. <laughs> yeah. uh, so this is a horror tabletop okay. RPG magic and microfiction anthology. <laughs> so it's got creepy magic okay. and microfiction for its systemless, for its all game systems, but it's kind of tailored towards OSR type style stuff. But it's, okay, it's, 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 it's technically yeah. um, um, systemless. Um, seven okay. different authors... Yes. Um, they flesh out the seven fingers of the hand of Gorb or Gaub. Okay. Um, which are manifested through the filigrees of cobwebs and nails and false memories and nightmares you want to forget. So the core contents, um, about 50 odd mm. spells and small tales. Micro, that's the micro fiction mm-hmm. part. Uh huh. Yeah. Uh, 100 terrible catastrophes to evoke when vile magic goes awry. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. 20 monsters mm-hmm. and 49 bizarre paraphernalia. Ooh, nice. Hmm. I do like a good bit of paraphernalia. Yeah. I, I'm guessing the monsters go firmly in the arg horrible camp. As well, in, you point it and say, arg, it's horrible. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so the uh, inspiration is the Babadook, uh, scary mm. stories to tell in the dark, and Stephen mm. oh, King's yeah. works like Misery and The Shining. I knew Ooh. it. Like, like this, the, mm. the description you read, like, sort of gave me, mm. took me to Spoopsville, like, just mm. automatically, like, fingers, mm. filigree, and cobwebs, yeah. like, yeah. of yeah. some unseen entity, <laughs> which may be a literary device or may be real. Mm. Forget yeah. that. Put it in my game right now. <laughs> well, I've got like this introductory kind of poem. Um, this is about the seven what? fingers of the hand of Gorb or Galb. Uh-huh. Uh, so, is, uh, do you want me to read the poem? Or? I've never would read poetry like, out on the uh, podcast well, before. Would you, like, be would you like me to read it, Russ? <laughs> well, well we're all it. here. I think one of us yeah. should read it. Well, let me yeah, let me give you the link then to the book of Gorborgal. 
Mm-hmm. Here we go. Okay. Ah, yes. A finger trails the letters across the dusty tome. A finger points away down a dark haunted alley. Wait, is this the poem? Yes. Okay. A finger trails the letters across the dusty tome. A finger points away down a dark haunted alley. A finger feels for the pulse of life on a long, decayed corpse. A finger scratches the floorboards beneath your feet. A finger chewed down to a white bone. A finger that is not there. A finger catches a shed tear and slides it into a bottle. These are the seven fingers of the hand of Gaul. Or Gaul. Or Gaul. Yeah. Okay. I'm going to go uh, Gorb. I'm going to go Gorb. I think it's Gorb. 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 Yeah. I think so. Yeah, you uh, want to be Gorbless. Mm-hmm. Huh? Uh, right. So, Peter, your guess, was, your guess was wrong, but you, you read that yes. so well that I will give you 72 and a half points. Well done. Oh, that, well that's done. so generous with you. Thank you very much. Which gives you a grand total of 75 and a half points, I believe. Yes, yes. To, um, 42,000 odd? Uh, Josh is 40,001. It's a, okay. it's a slight lead. Uh, yeah, but yes. you can lose points in this game, so don't don't get too yeah. confident. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good to know. I, I, I mean, the super the super specific guesses are a win big lose big proposition. So yeah, that's <laughs> the only way I play. Okay. Amen. Woo. Ooh, okay. So, yes. Okay. Ooh, this one, I, I really Never like the look of it, but if I read out the entire title, it will give it away. So I'm only going to read out the first word. <laughs> Very good. So this is. Uh, if I tell you what the title actually is, then it gives it away. Okay. This is poorly morph, and it's spelled P A W dash L Y M O R P H. I see. So Paul dash Lemorph. Yeah. Oh, was mm. it was it Paul or Paul? Paul, as in Doc Paul. Wait, hold on. P O P A W P A W. Yes. Okay. So I thought you said P A U L, and I'm like, hmm. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I, would change I, my I, guess entirely. I, I heard you. I heard you. I heard you saying poorly. Morph. I was like, oh no. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah where where, where, where you just transform <laughs> into a person called Paul, and that's basically. So, Paul Lemorph would be the adventures of Paul going through the transfigurations in the untold stories of the New Testament. But this, Paul Lemorph. Oh, well, damn. This is, this is a Druid's, uh, the campaign guide to Druid's Mm. only campaigns. Nice. Uh, So, it's, um, except, uh, while they do have ideas that are applicable, to all campaigns and rule systems. Mm-hmm. Um, this system is proprietary. D6, mm. three stats. Um, those stats are ferociousness, cuteness, and mm. stealth. Right. Hmm. And... So hmm. when are you releasing that game, Josh? <laughs> we're here for it. When's, when's, when, uh, when's, the, when's, the, when's the Kickstarter for that game? Um, uh, it's going to be just a little. So we'll, we'll we'll touch base again after the launch of Level Up. How about All right, that? All right. So this one is this is a little bit of a cheat because it's RPG related. It's not actually an RPG. Okay. It is in fact a D twenty shaped chew toy for dogs. Oh. <laughs> what? Each one is four inches made of rubber. And it's basically a D20 designed for dogs to chew on. It's got the numbers on it and everything. 
I oh. mean, we're stretching the definition of role-playing game quite a bit, to be fair. Well, yes, but also I am literally backing this project as we talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I get a single die in a choice of my colour. Yeah, okay. Pledge $14. What's the info on the... On the rubber here, is it is it chew and scratch resistant? Uh, I will is it check in a minute once good I, for their teeth? Well, once I've bought it, I will then look at look at what it is because <laughs> that's that's <laughs> how you buy things. Is, yes, responsible. Yeah. Yes, what 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 a, what a what a podcast this has been so far. Yes. Such amazingly specific guesses <laughs> and quite possibly the loose most loosely associated thing. I mean, yeah. But the book of court is perfect. It's back. Yes. Excellent. Yay. Right. Huzzah. I am now the proud backer of poorly wolf pet toys. Um, let's have a look at this. So these are functional and treat dispensing. Because they've got like one side oh. has a hole in it. So when they roll the thing around, treats fall out. D20 shaped dog's dog toy. And they come in different colors, bright sort of reds and greens and blues and things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they've got a couple of unlockable white and black colors to, uh, to um, unlock. And... Yeah, I'm going to turn my dog into a gamer now. Hudson, where are you? I just bought you a present. He's just looking at me. He like, cares what? a lot. Who cares? What <laughs> number? Uh, what number face is the uh, treat dispenser um, on? I'm not entirely sure. One would hope it's a twenty, <laughs> it's but 20. I can I can, I can yeah. see I can, I can see the twenty though, so I guess it's not. Um, it's in between I, sixteen, seven, and nineteen, whatever side that is. Hmm, I could tell you, but um. let's not. <laughs> Oh, I don't have a. Oh, I have, I uh, do. Thank you. For, thank you for paying attention to that. I do. I do have 19, a Nineteen, seventeen. I've got one, maybe nineteen, thirteen, fifteen, seventeen, seven. Don't know. Okay, Safe. I've found mine. Yeah, nineteen. Uh, uh, no, thirteen, seven, and nineteen. Sorry. Thirteen, seven, and nine. Yes, that's one. That's the one, is it? Okay. Mm. So it's the one. It is on my dice. Yeah, okay. I mean, it could vary, but yeah. yeah. Getting a treat on a natural one sounds like a really, really good deal. Oh, yeah, but that, the mm. one has to be pointing well, downwards, not playing, doesn't it? For the, they're not for playing the D&D. They're playing oh. the Demodephia system. Mm. Roll under. Yeah. So, so you okay. actually have to crit in order to get yeah, the treat. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Yes. Huh. That's right. Yeah. Genius. Marvellous. Yeah. Marvellous. Yes. And that is from um, Jason Gomez. Well Thank done, Jason. you, Jason. Hmm. Jason, you have just gotten it back from me. There we go. Ooh. That is the end of our favourite game in the world. Sadly, Josh, I can't give you any points for that one because you did not guess that it was a, a T20 shape. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was completely wrong. Completely wrong. But you have you have revealed your next Kickstarter, which we're going yes. to back when you, when you release it. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but Holy but despite Lord. that, even without winning any points, there you do still have forty thousand and one points, which means you are this yes. week's winner of our favourite game in all the world. Which means you yes. get to take home this week's trophy, a metaphorical yeah. trophy, a smug sense of self satisfaction. Congratulations! <sighs> I'd like to thank my grandma, <laughs> my mom, my dad. Ah, <laughs> oh, that was an exception speech. Marvelous. <laughs> I, I, I personally got 75 points, and that's one of my highest scores in months. <laughs> Congratulations. I know. Thank you. <laughs> ah, what a pleasant wedding. Wait, is that? No. 
It's Terminatrax the Dreadful, Conqueror of Worlds, my loathsome arch enemy all these long centuries. Ah, it's you, Vigo the Undying, ruler of the dead, my despicable nemesis. I had hoped never to lay these accursed eyes upon you again. Still unsuccessfully trying to overcome the Nine Kingdoms with ill-conceived invasions, are we, Terminatrax? Still slowly rotting away over the course of millennia into a puddle of putrid slime, are we, Vigor? <sighs> I should raise the dead from the very ground to drag you to the underworld where you will be feasted upon for all eternity. I should summon my armies and rid this world of your foul stench, once and for all. I shall curse you to rot in agony until the end of time, lamenting forever the very day you crossed Vigor the Undying. I'll raise your strongholds to the ground and seize all that is dear to you before crushing your skull beneath my iron-shod boot. Ah, bring it on. We'll settle this once and for all. Finally, I shall be the greatest evil overlord of the realm. In your dreams, Vigor, I shall world the world's material at last. Ah, uh, What is it, foul Vigor? Uh, the, the bride's mother is looking at us. Oh, uh, yes. Mm, perhaps we should keep it down a bit. Yes, it's this wedding, after all. Mm, the uh, flowers are uh, very nice, aren't they? Uh, yes, they uh, uh, yeah they are very n- nice. So uh, how uh, how are how are you? Yeah, I've been better. I can't complain really. I'm I think of hiring a sidekick to manage the seventh through twelfth armies. Oh, more time to play golf, eh? Oh, exactly. I I need to really work on my handicap. Uh, and yourself? Oh, still looking for that ultimate plague which will turn all of life into my zombified minions. Oh yeah 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 yeah. Same same old same old. Uh, so how do how do you know the happy couple? Uh, the bride's my third cousin, twice removed. Uh, you? Oh, I worked with the groom once years ago, before the whole evil overlord thing. Uh, was that back when you were doing um, clerical support for the bard's union? Oh, that's it. Oh boy, am I glad that's long in my past. Uh, uh, how, how's your family? Oh, still centuries dead. Oh, and are they? <laughs> <laughs> and your kids? Well, Berlick the Mighty is now a 17th level berserker, and Shantir works for the post office. Didn't Berlick slay the dread necromancer of the ill-gotten wastes? Oh, you heard about that? Yes, I'm awfully proud of him. Oh, look, they're doing the speeches. Yeah, 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 best better. Meet you outside afterwards. Indeed, and then I shall crush your pointless excuse for a soul and consign you to an eternity of torment. Not before my legions rend you limb from limb and proclaim victory over the lands of the living. I shall transform your petty legions into mindless plague zombies subject to my every whim. Only if you can summon your revolted death magic with a ten-foot pike up your backside, you disgusting knave. I'll see you there. Uh, do you have a light? Hey, so Peter, I was uh, I was walking down the road the other day, and uh, I saw this bunch of really cool, good-looking people. Cool, good lucky. That could only be our patrons. Yep, man, I have never seen such a well-informed debonair bunch in all my life. Yeah, right. You know why is that? I don't know. You tell me. 
Well, if I was forced to speculate, I guess it's because they listen to our top secret, super exclusive bonus episode every week. Bonus episode? What? Yeah. Each week, our patrons get an extra half hour or even more of extra content that nobody else gets to hear. Oh, wow. That's amazing. Where can they find this? Oh, it's pretty simple. You just head over to patreon.com slash morris and pledge a monthly donation. Anything from a dollar to whatever you think we're worth. Huh, I did a, uh, a scientific calculation once just to see how much we're worth. Oh, yeah. How much? Uh, you probably don't want to know. Probably for the best. Anyway, if you, if you enjoy our podcast, please head on over to patreon.com slash morris and, you know, just pledge a little. That's patreon.com slash morris. And thank you so much for your support. We couldn't do this without you. I reckon we could. Shh. Why don't you tell us what yes. Mysteries of the Mornland is, Josh? Yes. Okay, so Mysteries of the Mornland is mm-hmm. a level-up, advanced 5th edition, actual play horror podcast set in the world of Eberron. The characters are investigators. They are hand-picked members of an international coalition because... According to my take on the story, mm-hmm. the treaty that ended the last war that ravaged the continent mm-hmm. also mm-hmm. set aside a provision to investigate the origins of the magical disaster that mm. precipitated the end of the war. Right, right. Yes. So, so, yeah, I'm just saying, I've listened to the all but this week's episode so far, so no, spo- yes. no spoilers from this week. Um, I've got. I downloaded it this morning, and it's ready to go when I walk my dog later. But um, so I've listened to them up until there. So they were on the train last week. I assume they still are. I don't know if they still are this week. But, uh, yes. Uh, the lightning rail does represent a three episode arc. Right. right okay. 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 So who who are your players? Who who's who's involved in this <laughs> epic adventure? Sure. So you know Cassandra. Mm-hmm. She yes. is one of the uh, designers on A five E. Yes. Previously we on ha- the podcast promoting the Diesel RPG. Mm. Yes. Excellent. Okay. Mm-hmm. Let's see. We've also, we've got a friend of mine from my hometown, Athens, Georgia. His name is Sloan. He's mm-hmm. a writer. Uh, and then uh, I'm very lucky to have recruited a college friend of mine named Will. Mm-hmm. And he and his buddy David run the Common Descent podcast. They are both paleontologists Ooh. and they... Oh are public science educators so mm. oh. uh, so much in the way that i as a uh, div- uh seminary graduate might be doing a form of public mm. ministry by through role-playing mm. games mm. they do public science education mm. through their podcast right, right. and uh i mean like we're in dire need of science educators conveying even the most basic information about evolution would be extraordinarily helpful mm. to the public writ large. And uh, I think David, mine, and Will's, this is just a guess, but I guess that all of our first love are dinosaurs. So, <laughs> <laughs> And the cast is fantastic. We did a lot of preliminary work discussing our values and ideologies, uh, especially not just in general, but also in terms of horror, mm. role-playing games, and some of the uh, specific difficulties regarding the Eberron campaign setting, not the least of mm-hmm. which including the overt fantasy racism. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, 
So, but they're fantastic. They get along well, and we've really tried to create within ourselves a culture of communication, collaboration, and democratic process slash consensus building. And I think it goes a long way to have such a great crew. Mm. So is this your first podcast or have you done one before? Technically, it's my second Second one because I technically did a mini podcast for a school assignment. I will not share it with (laughs) y'all. That's okay. uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But, you know, my professor at the time said, oh, well, looks Mm. like you've got the skills to do a podcast. Mm. And I'm like, oh tell that to my uh, uh, imposter syndrome because <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wish we, well, one day me and Peter will develop the skills to do a podcast, but I think we're a long way off that. Yeah. I'm still working on it. It's three years and counting. We'll get there eventually. Yeah. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful. Yeah. yeah. But then again, I always think as long as you enjoy it, it doesn't really matter, does it? It's, uh, yeah. As long as, you, as long as you're having fun and, and you're doing no harm, well, it doesn't matter. Well, I quite like it if our listeners enjoyed it as well, but yeah, you can't have I everything. I don't think that's likely. <laughs> no. The, the listeners enjoying, we've received a considerable amount of positive feedback so far, <laughs> not the least of which being from y'all, uh, yeah. but you know, I set into this project because it was something I could feel passionate about, mm. and mm. the past year and a half has been really hard for me, so mm. Uh, mm. It, certainly it's been for everyone, but I'm I'm not the one, one of the ones who's handling it well. Right. So, uh, my creative endeavors, not the least of which includes writing and designing for the Level Up project, but also anything creative I can get my hands on, really. Uh, so, this is, <laughs> the project was something I felt passion for, and it felt mm. like it was giving me life. Mm. So, mm. Uh, so I had to follow that. And from what everyone says, that's, that's one of those things that you do. Mm. You do follow mm. the thing that gives you life. Hmm. Yeah. So, Absolutely. so it's, it's an ongoing actual play. It uses the level up rules, and for those who are not familiar, because do you think there's much chance that many of our listeners aren't familiar what level up is? <laughs> we we'd like to welcome all our first time listeners and people <laughs> just who in just case picked up this podcast specifically. Mm. Just <laughs> in case, Josh, um, what, what do you mean by that when you say it's a level up podcast? Sure. Pretend so, we don't. Uh, pretend I don't know what level up is. So. Uh, <laughs> Level Up Advanced 5th Edition is a complete overhaul of Dungeons & Dragons 5th Edition. So it includes a lot of the mechanics and dynamics that fans of the 5th Edition enjoy and expect. Mm. And it renovates the systems that we think need renovating. Mm. There's more character customization options, uh, which incidentally help you drive uh, without creating an unbalanced character mm. allow mm. you to drive their story even fat further. Mm. There's also more modularity and customization options outside of the our origin system. <laughs> and one of the m- most exciting parts is our bestiary book, which will include really, really fantastic guidance on, uh, on how to implement monsters and really make even the most uh, ordinary seeming creature mm. Uh, pop mm. at the yes. game table. Mm. Yeah, I really like the work that Mike Hughes has been doing on that with uh, with his Paul Hughes. Uh, Paul Hughes, yeah, Mike Myers yeah. and Paul Hughes. <laughs> Mustn't get those two. <laughs> 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 um, uh, the Paul Hughes has been doing, which um, involves Ooh. like tables for monster signs and behaviour mm. and names. He's a genius. And all sorts of different things. Mm. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, 
Yeah. And also, yeah, he's like a mathematical kind of wizard when it comes yeah. to monster CRs and mm. things like that. He's overhauled so. the CR calculation. Yes. And reworked yeah. um, encounter um, creation tables and all sorts of things. Yeah. I, I was very pleased with how the encounter tables worked. It said this will probably kill this level one party, and it, it very nearly killed level one party. So right now, sweet. That's what it says uh, on the tin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. It, so, it promised to be very hard, and it was. Yeah. I'm like and, perfect. <laughs> and that's another thing about A five E, right? Is that there's a lot of guidance that players of previous editions of this game mm. expect, mm. Uh, yes. and a lot of that guidance was omitted. In mm. favor of what I think is the good-hearted gesture of do what you think sounds and feels mm. right. But in order to do that, in order to make good choices about doing the right thing, you need to have a understanding of what's normative. Mm. So there are some norming guidance uh, in, in this game, including uh, more specific encounter building instructions or easier usable encounter mm. building instructions, frankly. Yeah. Um, a magic item price table. Mm. <laughs> yes. Madness, um, I say. And, Who would want yes. such a thing? A magic item crafting table. Mm. Yes. <sighs> crafting, yes. Um, yes. So, oh, oh, and how could I forget that there are also like an incredible renewed emphasis on the exploration pillar of the mm. game. That's my favorite. Uh, mm. I think. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so I cut my teeth on role playing games. With the Fire Emblem games, mm. which okay. strongly emphasize role playing, quote, mm. and combat. Mm. And the brilliant thing about tabletop RPGs and is is completely unique to them, I think, is the exploration right, element. Right, yeah. So, mm. so a sense uh, of so wonder that, that comes with the exploration element as yeah. well. Truly. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. So what what is it? Why why did you choose so what came first? A desire to do a level up actual play? Or a desire to tell this story, and you decided level up would be the system to use. What was? How did that decision process work? Yeah. Well, my knee-jerk reaction is to say that the Eberron impetus came first, mm. but but mm. really the Eberron interest was the precipitating one. I have for mm. about for at least six months thought that it would be good to do a level up actual play. Mm. For, for various reasons, not include not the least of which including our stage of development in the game, prohibited that. There's also, you know, with projects like this, you have to have a person who says, I am doing this no matter what anyone mm. says. Mm. And so, if you pitch someone, hey, should we do a podcast? The answer is going to be, eh, yeah, maybe, yeah. Mm. yeah. But once do. you say... I am doing a podcast. Would you like to be involved? Or, there? Yeah, yeah. Yes. It changes entirely. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. and that's sort of what happened here. The inspiration for the campaign sort of struck at about the same time as Morris uh, started to make gestures of relieving us from the most constraining parts of our NDAs. Mm. And so, so I thought that that resonance was really good. And so mm -hmm. I was like, you know, if he says no, the worst thing he can say is no. So, but you were really generous and forthcoming with that. So, well, thank you. I mean, um, you're welcome. But I would say that it was, you know, it's a self-interested thing at this stage in the sort of lead up to the Kickstarter. Having more people sure. out there talking about the game is is better for the game. I think, nonetheless, 
uh, nonetheless, you I, you could very well hate what I did and think that I uh, am a crappy DM, and there's no way that you'd know that if you haven't played with me at the table. So it does represent a uh, an act of confidence on your I part. I guess so. I, I guess so. That. I mean, I've, I've, yeah. I've listened to it, and you're not a crappy DM, so I mean, yeah, <laughs> that yeah. danger has been averted. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to say it's very exciting because the tension that you're building up in these podcasts is really, mm. really strong. It's like very, very atmospheric. Mm. And it's just like, yeah, there's just, and it's like, yeah, this is like a variation in tone, which is very important. Like, yeah, little bits of humor, little bits of like, yeah, other stuff. But again, like that's all against this sort of backdrop of this sort of, um, oppressive gray clouds mm. of entering into the Mornland and the tensions building up. And the last episode, which I think myself and Russ has listened to, ended on a complete cliffhanger, which I didn't see coming. I expect the pleasant scene coming. And um, it would be, uh, as the Spanish may say, Buenos Pantalones Marones, a real brown trousers moment yeah. for them. So what, yeah. what I very much enjoy about it is the decision to make it quite short. That sounds... That sounds um, that sounds almost like a backhanded nah. compliment. It's not. It's not. It's um, nah. like a four. Well, most a lot of actual plays are kind of like four hours and quite rambling. Whereas this is quite yeah. focused. It's highly edited, yes. and it's sort of like mm. half an hour, and which makes it very, very easy to digest. Mm. At least for me personally. Yes. No, uh, yeah. thank, thank both of you. Uh, both of those decisions were incredibly uh, intentional, and there is no. There's a lot of work and a lot of grief to be had over those decisions mm-hmm. on my part. And so I'm really glad that they resonate with y'all. Yes. Yeah. So to address your point, Peter, uh, it, uh, the tent, like a slow burn, right? Like that's mm. a, that's a convention in horror, right? Yes. And yeah. you need sometimes when you have a high concept game like this, you throw the players into the situation where like, well, I don't know what's bad because I don't know the rules of this world, so I don't even know what good is. Mm. So, <laughs> so you need to create a backdrop of the normal in mm. order to be able to contrast it with the abnormal. Okay. Yeah. So, so that and uh, subtly sowing the major plot seeds that will come to the fore later in the game. Mm. Well, that the synergy there was just too good. Yeah, um, yeah. And to your point Russ the uh, yeah bite-sized chunks there's a reason why I'm the podcasts I listen to most now are the Magnus archives and the old gods of Appalachia mm-hmm. and that's because I can listen to them in whatever increment of time I want mm-hmm. I'm not going to get lost and uh, I I actually have narcolepsy so if I listen to a very very long podcast on the road it's not healthy for right, me right. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've, I I've fallen asleep to many podcasts as well, but I mean that's uh, that's another thing. Falling asleep to Night Vale is a beautiful mm. thing, but not <laughs> when you're going down. I <laughs> <laughs> it's not recommended. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah uh, I I I definitely don't think I'll be falling asleep while listening to uh, this podcast. I'd be like, oh, another one, another one. I mean, if I ran out of podcast, which is is definitely on the cards because they are, as you say, quite bite-sized. I'd be like, no, where's my next podcast fix? Mm. So, yeah. I mean, you could just listen to more than one podcast, Peter. I mean, that would help solve your problem. <laughs> I, I, I could. I, <laughs> I mean, there are something like I, 10 million podcasts out there. 
and rpg podcasts are just becoming more diverse and more niche mm. it's really you could say that that the area is full but i don't see fullness i see abundance of space mm. and i see yeah. diversity and i think that that's yeah. exciting yeah. Well, well nobody says oh well there's too many books out there like yeah Truly. We, we've got too many authors that's it you know no more authors we're done now you've not spoken to my wife about her opinion on books then <laughs> <laughs> I have not. <laughs> Possibly best that we don't. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, um, is there, like, uh, if you'd asked me, like, a year ago, should you use D&D to run a horror podcast, I would have said no. Like, or no, if you wanted the long answer, because it doesn't seem at all suited. Is there something about the Advanced Fist Edition, the Level Up Project, that makes you think, actually, yeah, this, Ooh, good question. this will work. Ooh, Peter asked a good yeah. question. I like it. <laughs> Do more. Uh, uh, mark it on your calendar. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel this question. Cassandra <laughs> brought it up in one of our meetings. She was mm. like, you know, usually when you say horror and D20 system in the same sentence, usually that sentence ends with a punchline. Mm. <laughs> the <laughs> the punchline being your game. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Mm. Exactly. Precisely. Yes. And, uh, and so this rule system mm. hasn't even been born mm. yet. It is, yeah. it is <laughs> this rule system okay. is still careful, careful with this metaphor. <laughs> this rule system is yeah. still coming together. Mm. Yes. Yes. And so mm. I'm still trying to learn it, right? Yes, but yeah. mm. so so admittedly, I don't know all the advanced tricks you could do with it yet. But mm. I can say mm. that one of the compelling things in the horror stories that I like is creating characters that you care about, mm. characters that that are deeply flawed, more mm. deeply flawed than what an alignment system can mm. tell you. Oh yeah, yeah. And admittedly. Designing flawed characters isn't necessarily the highlight of the A5E origin system, but what it is, the strength of it is, is creating specific characters who are unique and highly motivated. Mm. Uh, mm. The fact that you're, you have a culture and a mm. background in addition to your heritage, and then on top of that, a destiny. Yes. All of that, like, I think that you've... Uh, I'm not sure if y'all have heard me say this before, but the destiny system I've seen applied to a character and it completely changed whether or not they feel real mm. uh, to oh, me. Okay. Mm. And it sort of gives it a, a fourth dimension. It makes it like the characters broader, but it also gives them like a sense of sense of direction of travel uh, as a living being. That's a you've got very, the past, very... the present. And it's I, the think, future I think it's just more, with the destiny more system. interesting than an alignment. Yeah. Uh, your well, your, your uh, focus is it, on revenge or wealth or knowledge or yeah. whatever is more interested than your neutral evil or your well, yeah, yeah yeah it's an inherent it's an inherent goal yeah. the inherent goal of an alignment system has to be stasis because you don't ultimately want to change your alignment because that means in many cases that people say that you're not playing your character well whereas and here you have inbuilt goals and you know where you're coming from and you know where you're yeah, going to yeah. and this could change but it's it's very much hard baked into the system, which is I wasn't a fan of the Destiny system, I admit, at first, but now I'm like, okay, the more I've had a chance to look at it, the more I'm like, Oh yeah, huh, how about that? Works. Mm. Furthermore, uh <laughs> yes. the uh, alignment as yes. a as an existential factor mm. is it doesn't represent morality as it is in real life and mm. as it is in horror stories. Mm. 
Mm. Morality is always mm. a question, not a yes. status. Mm. And so, uh, so whenever you're killing a thing, whenever you're taking the life of a living creature, or even I would say non-living entities like destroying ancient bodies of stone, mm. uh, they're the question. Uh, and or living spells, like yeah, uh, if you have a fight with uh, living spell, what's going on there? Is that is it ethical to destroy them? Well, that's a, well. It I don't know. back to it being a question, right? <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so it's always if you're if you're going to take a life, it's a question, not mm. a my my character's sheet says that I should. Mm. Mm. Now, okay. your answer could be yeah. my character sheet says that I should, but that <laughs> answer and all answers of morality entail moral risk, which mm. I think again the psychological realism present mm. in that and in that the a5e system encourages mm. uh helps to create the kind of atmosphere that i mm. want yeah okay yeah so did you have to uh, and so that, that's part of the character creation well, was there anything else about a5e that really helps support the system uh that you're playing like uh, are you going to like obviously there's exhaustion uh are there any other things yeah, sure. So we're deploying the exhaustion and fatigue system as well as the supply system. I'm going to be doing my best to put in the general long distance exploration rules, but mm. normally those exploration rules would be more ideal for every place in Eberron except for the Mornland mm. because mm. you don't you don't really get to have a travel montage in Eberron, not for a very long distance. Mm. Um okay. So, uh, you know, if you travel cross country for, you know, in a place that's peaceable, sure, you're going to mm. be interested in uh, whether you, you know, what I'm trying to say is there's a little bit less space for the abstract, for the more abstract yeah. options. That said, there are a lot of non-abstract tools that the A5E system gives for various environments and those will be deployed actively. I can't, nice. I can't wait to see that in action. Oh, oh yeah. So can we talk a little bit yeah. about the characters then? Yeah, so who, sure. Who's, who's would, playing what? To. Who's playing who? So Sloane is playing Vanguard. Vanguard, mm -hmm. or Van for short, is a Warforged. Mm -hmm. Warforged don't have a A5E component, so instead of choosing a heritage and a culture, mm -hmm. He's just using the Warforged race from uh, from Rising from the so Last War. this is War. a great and example of compatibility as well, which I, which I noticed ah. when I was listening. I was thinking, that Ooh. is a great up there example of someone playing an O5e, which is what we call original 5e mm. race, alongside yes. someone else playing an A5e sort of heritage mm. and, um, and um, culture, culture combination. And all the rest. Yeah. Ah. I hadn't thought so, of that. Uh, there's also, uh, you know, and... Sometimes there's very interesting mechanical and story resonances here too, because Warforged, being a uh, a new type of entity on the face of this world, don't yet mm. have their own entrenched cultures mm. yet. Uh, uh -huh. Most of people look at Warforged as though they're a single monolithic set of set of entities, which again plays up the racist slash anti racist tropes which are involved with the system. So, uh, so that's something that I hope people will, uh, if if they notice that, and if they take it in stride, I hope that that's something that they will ruminate mm. upon. Okay. Uh, but yes, backwards compatibility was one of the things that I was overtly hoping to center in this game. So, thank you for saying that, Russ. Yeah. 
so that, that that's Van Vanguard, uh, who is a Warforged. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, um, uh, he has a bit of a tragic origin. When looking at his destiny, I was like, okay, well, do you want to choose an edgier destiny, like like uh like revenge or apotheosis? And he's like, mm, nah, coming I, of age. Okay. Oh, well, we're gonna find out. We're going to find out who Vanguard is, really is. Yeah. Don't, don't start off trying to become a god. Come of age first. And then become a god. <laughs> nice. <laughs> we have Cassandra, who, uh, at my request, was going to play uh, a sorcerer because she mm. wrote the A5E sorcerer class. Yeah, so yeah. I was, I thought that it was all, all too appropriate for her to showcase the class. And I think, huh. I think she's got a secret different version of the sorcerer, which is... <laughs> a slight, yeah. slightly more adventurous than the one that actually made it into the book, oh, which, yeah. which I, uh, yeah, I wonder if she'll deploy that in some manner Ooh. or, or, or I, some way at some point. The, uh, I, I, a little I, bird tells me, and by a little bird, I mean Cassandra, tells me that, uh, that maybe coming out has a product Ooh. after Exciting. HIV launches. Yeah. Exciting. Which at is the reason I don't have it. <laughs> <laughs> at this point in time, we are using the spell slot sorcerer instead of the all spell point sorcerer, although mm, mm. I think we are all interested to see the all spell point sorcerer. Mm. And Cassandra's character is a changeling. Right. Cassandra plays Rook. And Rook, they uh well Cassandra so I instructed all the players that let's let's put a pause on mechanics for a moment mm. and just drench ourselves in the lore of Everon mm, and, mm. and then find our characters through that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and everyone did that. Uh, and Cassandra was straight up, she said, that's not really my style. Normally I build a character and then make their personality after. Yeah. And you know, I respect that's a completely valid character building option. And so that said, as that actually works quite well for a changeling whose personality may be behind a layer or two uh, uh, of obscurity. So mm. so when we're playing, yeah. if is it Cassandra being like, mm, don't know what Rook's opinion is yet, or maybe I'm developing Rook's opinion, or is Rook the changeling spy being actually a really creepy bastard? Mm. Who could say? So what, what culture... <laughs> So changeling mm. is the heritage there, right? They take yes. it in that in that character. Mm. What's the what's the culture attached to that? Mm. Well, just like the Warforged, the changeling uh, does not have a A five E entity. So right. Cassandra will it is not benefiting from a specific culture. Okay. Oh. In the context of the world, though, she is from the kingdom of Brayland. Mm. Right. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah, and yeah. also was the final character, the third one. Uh, oh, there the, are, the I made the same mistake once. There are two more characters. Two more characters. Yes, there are two Will more characters. And, Will and David. Oh, okay. Um, uh, there, now there, these there's guys, a name in here, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. <laughs> keeps, uh, and, and the gnome is quite happy to go unnoticed. The... Um, <laughs> Uh, see, that's Sorry. what I did, you see. I'm, I'm taking credit for... That was a deliberate mistake, and I knew that the gnome was just hiding in the corner there. Uh, the, no, no, the, these, no one expects the gnome. Sorry. Both I'll stop the, making gnome puns any moment now. Uh, gnome, stop. Uh, the, um, any moment. <laughs> the, uh, so both gnomes and dragonborn exist yes. in A5E. So both, yes. 
Will and David were able to build their characters almost entirely through the A5E origin system, with some exception taken to their class, but we'll touch that in just a second. Uh, uh, Will is playing a gnome from a steam-forged culture Mm -hmm. with the destiny of excellence. And David's character is a dragonborn with a dragon devotion not dragon cult but like dragon bound dragon bound, dragon bound culture mm. yeah Mm-mm. who's a cleric mm. so soldier background though yeah yeah and uh so these are sheth and syntec and they have a uh on on air they have a lot of camaraderie which resonates the actual camaraderie that will and david had because yes uh because they're you know they already do a show together mm. yeah I'm, I'm really enjoying the way they're sort of uh, bringing a lot of physicality to the role playing and expressing that um, on air, like the way you got the very very large dragonborn and very very small gnome, and they're like just like sort of playing off each other. Oh, yes, I to put my We're trying to be as specific yeah. with uh, yeah. visuals as possible because mm. uh, because one, you can't do horror without sensation, mm-hmm. uh, mm. without visualization, and yes. and two, the the wholesomeness which exists is not only good for it wholesomeness is sake. Mm. It also the wholesome yeah. moments also bring forth and highlight the horrific moments. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It, it's it's really nice to like because you really need that change of pace. It's the it's the different places which really highlight the horror mm. without a I doubt. Think. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about um, level up for a little bit. What parts of oh, level God, up man. have you been working on, Josh? <laughs> I contributed to a part of the origin system. Mm-hmm. I wrote mm-hmm. several cultures. I wrote the heritage for humans and elves. Mm-hmm. Warlock? Oh, yeah. I didn't do the outline for Warlock, but I wrote the class. Mm-hmm. It was based on another designer's outline, but I was mm-hmm. quite happy to run with that outline. Mm-hmm. I co-wrote the cleric class, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and I was grateful to be assigned to that role because a lot of times religion and D&D just seems so... <laughs> separated from anything mm. that exists in reality and yeah and also you you personally have a, a religious background yeah. which you could bring to bring to that as well and so the, on the one hand the fantasy elements mm. are kind of a good thing because let's not mm. pretend like religion in real life is all sunshine and rainbows mm. here mm. in fact we've come to find i've come to find mm-hmm. that real life religion in its way is sort of like a a, a red flag hard boundary for a lot of folks in our community. Mm. So mm. fantasy religion is actually in a lot of ways more preferable. Mm. That said, I was hoping to, and I think that I did contribute some things that help the cleric and religion in the game feel a little bit less contrived and a little bit mm. more authentic. Mm. Mm. So what, what, I mean, have you got some examples there? What did you bring to the cleric from your, from your own background? What, what, what helped uh, shape I that think, class? Mm. I think one of the best examples of this is the ceremony spell. Mm. So I wrote a spell called Ceremony. It's a first level spell. And there's a original, an O5E version of Ceremony mm-hmm. in Xanathar's Guide to Everything. Yes. The only thing these two spells have in common is the cost of their spell component. Mm. <laughs> uh, the, uh, 50 the, silver pieces of AI. 25, sorry. Well, 25, yeah. But, yeah. but, um, but you know, the most significant moments in our lives, it didn't feel to me like the ceremony spell really highlighted what it meant to do ministry at the most significant parts of a human life. Mm-hmm. And so, or 
And if there's a magical benefit to being able to do make religious observances during these times, what could they be? Mm. Um, mm. And that's what I tried to highlight. Funeral lets folks not become undead. Uh, Rite of passage gives people uh, inspiration. There's even an option for your weekly offertory. Mm. It's um, and even though this, these are, I'm not. So I'm a Unitarian Universalist, but I went to a Methodist seminary, and okay. so yes, I have to be honest that both the cleric class in general, but also my perspective, are sort of based or originating in a Christian perspective. But it's strongly my hope that it will resonate in more ways and not feel restrictive in those ways. Yeah. And so Ooh. and that continues to be a challenge to make it as open as possible. Mm. That's that's both a challenge in this game design and in uh my real life faith tradition as well. Yeah. Yeah. Ah uh, yes. Ceremony gives inspiration rather than plus two AC, which prevents the halfling increased armor sphere of 700 poly polygamous halflings all married together <laughs> forming a giant what's monster. the ceremony so yeah so i mean one i'm all about halfling polygamy and two I, um, nothing against it it's just like an obvious <laughs> but but two like i don't feel like that benefit does not <laughs> scream marriage to me i can appreciate that you would want your loved one not to die anytime soon but I, I personally have never felt better armored when i'm next to my darling wife um, oh that's so sweet <laughs> not, loved and cared for certainly but but better armored not really <laughs> so um yeah. like uh, i said uh that's um mm. even though there are various elements of the cleric that i think have been enhanced mm. by mine and mel's work the ceremony spell is one of the things I'm most proud of. Mm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So what else have you worked on then? So there's um, some of the origins, there's, uh, there's the cleric class. You've done some other, some other mm. work, though. I co-wrote the religion appendice with Yvonne, and that was a lot of fun. Mm. I am currently working on the gear at higher level tables. Oh, I love that. Mm. I love that bit. Um, it's, I think uh, that's such it, a, a such a useful, especially going to be like a page or two. But it's going to be such a really going to be a lot of heavy lifting that those two pages. I I am interested in what this is because I, I I've been asked to provide lists of things that would be good for each class. I wasn't entirely sure why. Yeah, so you know how you know that part when you're trying to like have a high level one shot. Mm. Yes, yeah, yeah. Well, it's like, and, like level 15 or something. And so mm. you spend like five hours building your t level 20 multi-class character and then the mm. DM drops on you. Yeah, yeah. you've also got two million gold, so solve that problem right now. <laughs> well, with yes. A5E, you'll be able to by flipping open the book saying, what's appropriate gear for my level? Ah, I don't really mm. care what's equipment i have specifically i just want to make sure that i don't stink mm. write it mm. all down yeah yes so you can look it up and you can go right this is a tier three um fighter what's, yes. what's a tier three fighter so you know how much gold a tier three fighter mm. or what what gold you get per level it will list a whole bunch of equipment like you, that you should think about having like a, a an equipment package and suggest mm. some other alternatives if that doesn't quite fit what you want for your but basically, you can equip your, you know, seventh level fighter in a matter of two minutes. Ah, well, now this, this does bring into something which maybe the two of you can field. You know, ah, 
Now I interview mm. you. Um, <gasps> so how does this differ from Wealth by Level? Because Wealth Which, by Level is just a number. Mm. Well, this is a list of equipment. Sorry. So this would be like a seventh level fighter, a plus one breastplate, mm. and um, three closures of cure white light wounds, and a steed, mm. and, and it will list the items. Yeah. It's equipment okay. packages. Right, right. So it's an equipment package. You don't have to have this equipment package. You could have something completely different. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But that, this, this is just right. a suggestion. It, oh, okay. It's tr- very transparent about mm. what level, what amount of gold is appropriate for your exact uh. level. And then mm-hmm. it says, well, if you want to spend however much of it on this package, you have the option of doing so. Mm. And mm. Um, It's just like what uh, you do at first level. You, you've got, yeah. you, it says you, can have, you have 125 gold or you can have one of these starting equipment packages. Oh. But it's just those for every level and every class. Yeah. So if you want to give your players more gold, you could. If you want to give your players less gold, um, because that's what's appropriate for your game, then that's also fine. Is that right? You can give your players whatever amount of gold you it. want, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. I see no reason why not. Makes no difference to how the game is played. None of the maths is integral to it. Because mm. I understand that was a big problem with... With third and fourth edition, yes, mm. that's correct. No, we, this the treasure system is meant to be nor a normative guideline that's helpful. Mm. It is not meant to disrupt bounded accuracy or to mm. say, or even to imagine that at mm. higher level, you need to have higher equipment. Mm. Mm. If yeah. you want to run your low equipment Dark Sun game in yeah. A5e, you're still able to. Okay, cool. Because cool. that, that was just like a question that occurred to me because I know... it's. Mm. It's an important question. Yeah. Fantastic. So we need to wind up. We need to finish. Josh, thank you so much for coming on and talking yes. about your podcast. I'm really enjoying it. I'm going to be listening to this week's episode in about 10 minutes when I take my dog for a walk. Yeah. yeah. I'm looking uh, forward to seeing what happened after last week's cliffhanger. Thank you both for having me on. Don't get mad. I'll just try to enjoy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, that's always that's always my rule for the cliffhangers is just just try to just try to hold on. No, 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 no fantastic. Love the love the cliffhangers. It gives me something to think about. And also, there's the shouts and Crowder of oh good, it's not happening to me. It's happening to them. Yeah, that is also true. Precisely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, thank you all so much. All right. Thank you so much, Josh. It's been a real pleasure. Yes. Bye bye. Bye bye. Apparently, I now have to read this to you. This is the official podcast of Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news, which you can find at enworld.org. You can find show notes at morris.podbean.com or wherever you found the podcast. If you feel like they deserve it, you can support the show on Patreon. In return, you will receive exclusive bonus content. Just go to patreon.com slash Morris. If you're interested in his babbling nonsense, you can follow at Morris on the Twitter. Send your emails to morrispodcast at gmail.com. Not all of your emails, just the ones you want us to see. That's it. I'm bored now. You can go away. Shoo, off you go. Goodbye. Get out of here. We're not alone today, Peter. We're not alone. We we have a guest. Oh, okay, sing. Carry on singing. We're not alone. We have a very special guest today.
<laughs> Sorry. Right. I, I'm laughing, listeners, not because I'm laughing at my own humour, which obviously I do do, as you all know, but also mm. because of the expressions of shock, surprise, and I think in Morris's case, horror. Yeah, I am not, I am not leaving the podcast. That's it. It's done. <laughs> That's it's finished. Trust me, they are, they are expressions of sheer delight and nothing less. <laughs>